We're in 2 Timothy chapter 2. You thought I forgot, like, we're not going to go through the whole book of Timothy or 2 Timothy. I'm still there. Chapter 2. We're going in there today. We're not going to finish it more than likely. Somebody say amen. Uh, I'm going to try to make sure we get out of here plenty of time to eat because there's turkey and stuff smelling real good. Noodles. I saw Sierra brought noodles. Ooh, I'm ready for some noodles. <clears throat> but I want to talk today. We're going to focus our attention on the first 13 verses of this chapter. And we're going to title it, if we were to put a title to this, we're going to title it, A Good Soldier of Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's read. Starting chapter 2, verse 1, he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he complete, uh, competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I have said, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, and as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also might obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are, faith, uh, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which do no good, but only ruin the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightfully handling the word of truth. I believe the King James there says rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. Uh, but avoid irreverent babblings, for it is for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Herminius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. 
But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are his and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, perhaps grant, uh, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponent with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil being captured by him to do his will. Now there's a whole lot in there. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would bless us as we have read your word, Lord. We pray that you would bless the reading of your word, that we, you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that could receive this message today. We ask this in Jesus' name name. Amen and amen. Now, as we start this morning, I want you to uh, remember a couple things. We're going to split this up into two parts, okay? This chapter, I'm splitting it up into two parts. Verse 1 through 13, and then verse 14 through, uh, I believe it's, what is it, 26, okay? So we're going to split it up in two parts. The second part we'll preach next week. This week we're focusing on this first part of this because there's so much in here that's good, okay? There's so much good gold to dig out of here. I want to go with it. So the first, first section in the ESV study Bible, in the Reformation study Bible, uh, they, they kind of go hand in hand. They, uh, they part, partition this off in two parts also, okay? And you can see Paul's thought process in here as he split, as they split it up. You can see that Paul is making two separate conversations here. So I want to go ahead and do that as well. Okay. Verse 1 through 13, Paul exhorts Timothy to be faithful, be, uh, beginning with three analogies from life that, er, that emphasize wholehearted devotion to a task. And this is where I wanted to start this morning. Uh, first, let's go to how this chapter starts. Paul, again, is speaking to Timothy as a parent, right? He says, but you, my child, you know, it's important for us as believers to have people in our life that can talk to us that way. You know what I mean? That can say, look, daughter, look, son, look, I need you to get this. I need you to understand this, right? 
And Paul's not telling Timothy to lord it over him. He's telling him because like a parent who wants to keep their kids from doing wrong, he's trying to keep him on the right track. Amen. And since Paul is not just talking to him as a parent, he's talking to him as an apostle to a pastor, right, of a church who's leading other people. He's trying to encourage him to remain faithful, and he gives him examples to follow what faithfulness would look like as a pastor, as an elder in Ephesus at that church. Amen? Now, this has broader implications for every Christian, though, okay? Because every Christian needs to understand this isn't just talking to pastors. This is talking to everybody. Amen? We can all glean understanding from this, okay? The first thing I noticed, though, was that he said, my child. Again, this is the second time. First, he starts out the letter that way, right? To Timothy, my beloved child, verse 2, chapter 1, right? Chapter 2, verse 1, he's saying the same thing again, my child, amen? So we got to understand the love that Paul's writing this letter with, first of all. And as a Christian, we need to understand that God means it towards you in love. Amen? How many of you understand the word of God is not there to be given to you in hate or anger or bitterness? It's meant in love. Amen? So the first thing we need to understand is this letter, these exhortations from Paul are done in love. Amen? He says... Something that I found very interesting right here. He says in verse 2, or verse 1, excuse me. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, this immediately made me think about the fact that we're saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, right? By grace are you saved through faith. Amen. This is not a this is not a work of your own doing. It's a free gift of God. Amen. So we see here also that grace not only does grace uh, save you, as in Ephesians chapter two, but grace in Titus. If we, when we get to Titus, you'll find. Remember Titus. He says the grace of God that brought salvation also teaches us. Amen. So here. In this chapter of Timothy, we're seeing grace fulfill a third role. Amen. Grace saves us. Grace teaches us. Grace also strengthens us. Amen. And I wanted to put a note. I don't know if she wrote this all down or not. She might have. <clears throat> I don't know. I'll read it out of mine. Uh, here, grace is bringing strength through Christ. I wrote this, never forget that grace is not weakness, okay? Some people who are uh, driven to keep the commandments, to live according to the law, they think that the strength of their salvation is found in their obedience. But the strength of my salvation is not found in my obedience. The strength of my salvation is found in the grace of God that saves me, that teaches me, and now we understand it strengthens me. Amen? 
The grace of God is not weakness. The grace of God is the very strength of the new covenant. It is because I'm not saved by my works. I'm saved by the grace of Almighty God. Amen? What can be stronger than that? Let's just put it in perspective, okay? And I want to do this out of the kindness and graciousness that Paul was speaking to Timothy. If it was up to you to save yourself, how far would you get? I'm just asking practically, okay? Because all of us, at some point or another, can do pretty good, right? At some point or another, we all, we could win one little victory and we'll all pat ourselves on the back. Look, I didn't say a cuss word when I was really wanted to, right? Do we pat ourselves on the back for that? And then somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're blankety, 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 blank, and all of a sudden you fail, right? See, this is the problem with salvation by works. The problem isn't that I can never do any good. The problem is that I can do good one point, and then the next point I'm going to fall flat on my face. And if that's what you think your salvation is based upon, you're not basing it on the Word of God. Because the Word of God says that I am saved by grace through faith. That is not a work of my own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because that's what we would do with grace. Amen? If it was grace and works, this is what we would do. If it was grace and works, we'd go, man, God saved me with his grace. Now look how good I'm doing. God saved me, but I had my part to play too. Look what I did. Amen? If salvation was up to us, we would totally take the credit. You've got Christians nowadays that are trying to take credit for saving their self. Okay? The reality is salvation is by grace. Amen? Not only is it by grace, but we see here that grace can also strengthen us. What? Why would grace strengthen him? Why would he say, I pray that grace, you'd be strengthened by the grace that's in Jesus Christ? Because Paul's just about to tell him that he needs to be faithful like a soldier, diligent like an athlete. Work hard like a farmer, right? How am I going to do all this stuff without God giving me the strength to accomplish it? Not only that, right after all that, he says, endure suffering. There's another thing that you need the grace of God for, amen? How many of y'all have been through some suffering, okay? Yeah, right? We need God's grace, Amen? Because I don't know about you, I don't always go through suffering as a pious, grateful, loving disciple. Amen? Far too often I find myself in the midst of suffering, upset, hurt, bitter, angry. <laughs> Come on, let's talk real talk this morning. I'm not here to preach some feel-good message. So you just go home and go, man, that pastor made me feel really good today. I'm just talking real stuff, okay? We go through suffering 
we need to understand that all those sufferings have a purpose. And it's hard for us to remember sometimes when we're in the middle of suffering. So how do we get over that? Well, first I need to pray that I have grace to strengthen me. So that the next time I go through the suffering, I can remember that God has a purpose in the midst of all of that. Amen. Far too often we forget that God has a purpose in the middle of our suffering. And if we, this is the problem that we have most of the time. We don't think about it till after we already went through it, right? The goal here is Paul telling Timothy to remember all this before you get to suffering. That way, when you're in the next trial, you'll remember, amen? And then you can walk through it different. And then, it'll, then you'll be changed. Then you'll be transformed. It's all a part of God's plan to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we need to remember that. He said, grace. He said to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then he says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. First of all, he says, what you receive in me in the presence of many witnesses, what are we talking about? We're talking about when Paul was calling Timothy and they had the presbyters there and they all confirmed Timothy's calling. They told him, look, this is when we're confirming with you that you know the gospel and we're setting you aside to go preach the gospel. Amen. This is what we're talking about. What did, we, what did he receive? The gospel to preach to other people. Amen. He says, give it to faithful men. This is a problem nowadays, okay? There's a lot of people preaching. How many faithful men are preaching? Amen. The problem isn't the gospel. The problem is the people we're entrusting the gospel with. The problem is we've got no expectation on those who are preaching the gospel. Amen? We don't, we just think, oh, anybody can do that job. That's just not the way we see it in the Bible. Amen? The problem is, for a long time, I think I looked at this office with less respect than I think I needed to. With less humility than I think I needed to. Because the reality is this job bears a great responsibility of teaching faithfully the scriptures. Amen? And we need to take it serious. So here Paul's encouraging Timothy, look, I want you to give this message to other people. Faithful men that are able to teach, okay? Does no good to have somebody that can just preach real well and get people excited if they don't have any clue what he said, right? What good does it do? And what if I handed you a, a, a just a jigsaw puzzle of parts and said, here, build me the tower that this is supposed to be. You get no blueprints, no idea how to do it, just here, yours. That's basically what we have in today's Christianity. We have people presenting, well, here's the, here's the Bible. Here's, here's what it says. They got no clue how to put it together. 
They have spent no time researching. They spent no time studying the blueprints. They have no idea what the gospel is. But they're going to preach it. Right? It's like doing that jigsaw puzzle with no instructions. You can't expect anybody to be successful that way. Amen? And if that's the idea that we have in reading the Bible, just fly by the seat of our pants and whatever happens, happens, that's not Christianity. Amen? We're supposed to be students of his word. We're supposed to be devout in prayer. We're supposed to be committed followers. Amen? Not fly by the seat of my pants followers. Okay? You know what we call them on football and stuff? Bang. They're just on the bandwagon. Okay? And when stuff started getting hard, they would they quit football or they quit wrestling or whatever it was. Right? We saw it happen. Right, right, you do got one guy. You always got that one guy. So I don't need that instructions. You always got that one guy. Most guys, right? <laughs> oh. So let's go to verse 3. Verse 3 through 6, Paul uses some examples here, and I want to get to them. He says, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. I want to stop right there. Many times in the past, this has been used to try to falsely tell people, hey, you're, you know, you're not supposed to do anything uh, besides spiritual things. You know, this is not the lesson of this. The lesson of this is he's trying to tell Timothy that if you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to have to be faithful like a soldier. Okay? A soldier isn't out there to do what he wants to do. His goal is only to please his commanding officer. Amen? They, uh, I, I know there's at least one person that was in the army here, okay? And, you know... The only time you get to do what you want is when you're on leave, right? When you're on leave, even leave is limited to the time that you're on leave. And when leave's over, you better come back, right? They got a word for it if you don't, right? AWOL. You're AWOL. You're missing. You didn't come back. Right? Yeah, better not get hurt while you're on leave either. Okay? <laughs> you're a property of whatever, whoever you're serving. Do you understand? That has great implications for Christians because you are not your own, the Bible says, right? You have been bought with a price. Amen? You don't get to do what you want to do. I know, I know you say the this ain't Joel Osteen. I know you guys want me to go, you know, just turn him on so he can tell you how great you are and how wonderful you are and how, how much. No, no, it's not about you anyway, okay? The gospel was to change you, okay? You were lost. You were broke. You were, you were undone. And God fixed you. He's bringing you into his household. He adopted you. He loved you. He saved you. Your goal should be to please him who you serve. 
Amen? And that's not just pastors. That's every Christian. Amen? But I will make this implication because Paul is. Since Paul is talking to an elder of a church, the elder of the church better be the most faithful one at the church. <laughs> Amen? We need faithful men who are able to teach in the pulpit. Amen? We need it desperately. Notice the other uh, uh, examples he gives. He says, athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, I've used this analogy many times about an archery contest, right? I Maybe I just like Robin Hood too much. I don't know, you know. But the thing is, if, if you go to a turkey shoot, an archery contest, a speed shooting, all those things have their own rules that you have to follow when you're competing. You can't go to a, a, a speed shooting contest and just take your time. You have to go as fast as you can, right? It's not like a turkey shoot where you can just take all the time you want to get all lined up and boom, or an archery contest where you take all the time you want just to shoot that one target. We go to a speed shooting. You have to be big, 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 real fast. You know what I mean? I, I could never do it, okay? I don't know how some of them guys do that stuff. They make it look easy, and it disgusts me that it, they make it look so easy. But the reality is they practiced and practiced and practiced because they were devoted to what they loved to do, okay? And we say we love Christ. We ought to see devotion in the fact that we love Christ, amen? It, it shouldn't, I shouldn't have to get binoculars out. I shouldn't have to get my telescope out to try to peer into your life and go, where's this God stuff in their life? You know? It should be more evident than that, don't you think? It should be a little more evident than I have to, I have to, you know, put a P.I. on you just to find out if you're a Christian or not. You know what I mean? It should be a little more evident. Faithfulness, devotion ought to be a little more evident than that. Amen? Pastor friend of mine messaged me Monday or Tuesday and said, I'm going to use one of your Facebook posts in my sermon Sunday. And I said, all right, which one are you using? He said, uh, the one where you said if your pastor only came to church when you did, how faithful would you think he would be? That's a good question, okay? If your pastor only showed up when you did, how faithful would you think your pastor was? Amen? That's, that's a big question because a lot of times, and we don't like doing that, you know, because you know, the pastor's supposed to be there. Well, so are you. Come on now. Go back to like I'm the only one supposed to be at this building on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. I'm not the only one supposed to be here. It ain't church all by myself, right? We've already had this discussion. I'm not the body of Christ by myself, no more than you are. We need it. We need each other, and we all have a responsibility, amen? We all have an, an accountability to be here and be part of what God's doing, amen? It ain't just my job to be here on Sunday morning, amen? You're just a finger on the left hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
you know, I, I, we've got to get there, amen? Get out of that understanding. Oh, the pastor, he better be there, but, you know, I'm, I, I don't know about me. Amen? Come on now. That's just my job to be here. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a double, little bit of a double standard there, right? The pastor needs to be faithful, but I don't need to be. Come on now. This is good stuff. I don't care if you like it or not. <laughs> the Word of God. All right, one more. He's got one more. He said, it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now, this is a big statement right here, okay? Paul said, it's the hard-working farmer that ought to have the first share of the crops. See, my problem with American Christianity right now is this. We have a mass of unfaithful people. We have a mass of people who are only semi-devoted. Come on, I know, I know. It's, it's not the, hey, Joel Osteen would be crucifying me right now, okay? There were Right. Well, Come on. How do you celebrate <laughs> Christmas and not know what you're celebrating? Come on. Come on. I'm just saying, look, you're just you're preaching to the choir. You want the microphone? Can we say hypocritical? It is. It's hypocritical because what we have is we have a whole bunch of people that want to say I love God, want to say I know God, want to say I'm following God. There's no devotion. There's no faithfulness. There's no consistency. But when I'm in trouble, I want to be the first one the pastor helps. When I'm in trouble and I need assistance, I want to be the first one on the list for the church to help. Amen? The problem with this is the hardworking farmer deserves the first share of the crop. Now what he said? What he said? It's the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. See, this Christian life isn't just about uh, giving everything we have to anybody that, that needs it, which we do that if we are able. But it's also about the church itself, those who are part of this body, taking care of each other. And look you can say it however you want to say this, okay? You can think it sounds mean all you want. The reality is, more than, more than, more often than not, it's the person that's at the church all the time helping and giving and that gets left out in modern day Christianity. We'll help anybody else, but the person that sits right here and does all that they can for the church, we kind of take advantage of them and we we don't think that they need help or you understand what I'm saying we're all the time looking outward while we're leaving those right inside of our own building to fend for their self that's wrong that's wrong we need to take care of the people we have in, within our sphere amen 
The people we ought to be helping are those right here in this building. But also, you understand that if you're part of the body, there's a requirement of dedication, devotion on your behalf, right? Not just the preacher, but the people in the pews, amen? you got a responsibility to be learning, growing, teaching, preaching. That's all your responsibility, too. You understand me as the pastor, I'm just supposed to equip you to go tell other people about Jesus. That's my job. My job is to teach the scriptures, to pray for you, to help manage the affairs and make sure everybody has what they need, and to equip you to go out into the Coffeeville, Kansas, and tell them about Jesus. That's my job. Your job is to learn everything we're teaching, to put it into practice, to be here, to be part of what's going on at the church, and to go and get other people to come and do it also. Amen? That's called making disciples. I disciple you, you disciple other people. That's how it works. Amen? It, it will not work any other way. If you're waiting for the pastor to fill the pews of this church, <laughs> pastor's job is not to fill the pews. Pastor's job is to teach those who are in the pew. Amen? Come on, let's get real. I, even, I don't even know if I'm going to make it through my first section here. This is crazy. So Paul gives us these three analogies, and they all have the same meaning, really. It's calling people to devotion in following Christ. Amen? As a soldier, I'm to want to please my commander. As an athlete, I'm to do it according to the rules. I compete. According to the rules. Do you understand that the Christian life, you have to do it according to God's rules. Not the ones you want to follow, but all of them. Amen. Because we all kind of just erase parts that we don't think apply to us, right? Now, we may not get a white out and, and, and take them out of our scriptures. But when we read them, we'll gloss right over the part that probably applies to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if I read it fast enough and just go to the next verse, I'll, I'll just forget that one and don't have to worry about it, right? But that's what we do. We try to be selective and we can't. We got to do it according to the rules, amen? And then the last point that he's, huh? All the word or none of the word, amen? And then the last point that he makes is as a farmer, it's the hardworking farmer, okay? Christians, stop acting like you're owed a harvest that you have not sown for. Oh, that's a good word. Not one you want to hear, but that's a good word. Stop expecting to reap a harvest that you have not sown towards. You know, you, you're, you're not praying, you're not reading your word, you're not devoted to the things of God, you're not following him. But you expect a harvest, you know? That's, a, that's the most insane thing we've ever heard, okay? Me and Brian grew up with a pretty good-sized, uh, you know, uh, garden out there at the farm when we were growing up all the time. 
Now, this is how most Christians do, okay? And I'm going to end it with this, okay? Because that's probably all the, the uh, uh, correction that I can give today without overloading you. <laughs> this is what a lot of Christians do. We get our ground all tilled up at salvation, right? We get our seeds in our hand. And then we go and stand on the edge of the garden and go, why isn't anything growing? <laughs> the seed's still in your hand. What do you expect? The seed's got to go in the ground. It's got to get planted. It's got to be watered. The garden's got to be weeded and tended before you're going to get a harvest. Amen? Amen? But we all, all we do, all we have an expectation of is getting saved. And we think that's the end of it right there. And then I'm just standing there with my bag full of seeds in one hand, looking at a garden that's been all tilled up. And I go, man, I can't wait for this stuff to grow. this camera to pick it up, okay? So Brian gave this analogy of 
people at uh, his work and where he works at the building at the Dale, they were had a community garden, and only a couple of them people was down there actually tending the garden and growing it. And when nobody was wanting to help with that part of it, but when it was time for harvest, boy, they were down there like jackals. Can I get some tomatoes? Can I get some of this? Can I have watermelon? Look, we're all that way, okay? But the reality is we need to understand that if we want to be a part of the church, we need to be invested in the church. Amen? We need to be invested in our life for Christ. Amen? It's not just something that I fly by the seat of my pants. I have to be invested. Prayer, reading the word. Come on. Come on. That's right. That's right. Well, and we're not we're not supposed to pastor. We ain't supposed to be doing it all by itself, right? We're supposed to be supposed to be equipping each other to go out and do good works. Amen. Yeah. Come on. Man, I'm just going to give y'all a microphone for long. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. We need it. We need to understand the expectations on us. Amen? We need to do it, and we need to do it with everything we got. Amen? So let's, re- let's review this before we close. Number one, we're devoted soldiers of Christ. Endure the suffering of a soldier. What does a soldier have to suffer? Uh, it's not my way. It's the way the commander says. Amen. I get, if the commander says, hey, take a break, I get to take a break. If he says, you're done, the break's over, get back to work, guess what? We're going back to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're being deployed, you're gone. You're not coming back for six, eight months. You know, that, that's the kind of privilege that... They have over you when you're a soldier. Amen. So we need to understand our walk with Christ in that same understanding. That God has every right whenever he wants to move you, to change your situation, to put you over here, to put you over there. Amen. Amen. Number two, when we're participating in the race, when we're the athlete, we have to do it according to the rules. And then number three, we need to be devoted workers of Christ. Amen. Devoted workers of Christ. I love the, the, the uh, title for this section that the ESV says, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What would it mean to be a bad soldier then? Well, that would mean you're not enduring suffering. <laughs> You're ignoring your orders, right? You're not enduring suffering. You're not being faithful to what God would be pleased with in your life, right? What would it mean to be a bad athlete? It would mean that you're trying to compete and not follow the rules. You're trying to circumvent the rules. What would it mean to be a bad farmer? It means that you're wanting a harvest where you have not put the work in to sow what you're going to reap. 
Yeah. All the way, these seeds ain't growing. They ain't, they're still in this bag here. They look real good. But well, the problem is, I can still see the seed, okay? I shouldn't be able to see the seed. It should be in the ground. And then it should be sown. Once it's sown, then you can reap, okay? Notice that sowing and reaping are not at the same time. You sow the seed, you tend the seed, and then the seed grows. This, this is the process, right? You, you put a seed in the ground right out front right now. It will not sprout up into a tree today, right? It has to germinate. You have to water it. It has to have the nutrients out of the soil. It takes time. Remember, we plant seed, but God makes it grow. You understand? But God is not going to make a seed grow that is not planted. Amen? Let's stand and we're going to close. You can't make seed grow anyway. That's right. You Did can't you create the sun that That's gives right. it life? Did you create the water that gives it life? Nope. Nope. Got to do it by the rules. Come on, man. Come on, you're preaching good now. I think we're going to put that elder title back on there here in a minute. <laughs> let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would give us the understanding that we need to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Lord, to be athletes who compete according to the rules. And also, God, help us to be diligent hard-working farmers that are out actually working for the harvest, God. We ask that you would give us the strength that through the grace of that is in Jesus Christ to accomplish all these things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I guess we ought to pray over the food too, right? Yeah, let's pray over the food real quick. Father God, we ask that you would bless this food that we're about to receive. Pray, Lord, that you would bless the fellowship, that you give us grace and mercy wherever we need it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.